Hello and welcome to Victory Briefings, where we use the Word of God for a victorious life. I'm Dwight Hammond, and today is part seven of our seven-part series, Conquering the Thought Life. The final part of Conquering the Thought Life series is called Renewing the Mind. Here comes the mailbag. I'm so blessed that God uses the Victory Briefings podcast to reach the lives of so many listeners. I have a comment here from last week's blog post, uh, VB106, Commit Your Works. Irish Mac, I think it's how you'd say it. Irish Mac says, I've been enjoying your blog for some time now. Great insights but I was wondering why the titles of some of the recent posts have changed to include extra numbers. Irish Mac in Abilene, Texas. Thank you, Irish Mac, for leaving a comment in the mailbag. The VB numbers will help everyone in the future find the podcasts and the blog posts, or otherwise known as show notes, when we refer to them in the future. A number is easier to relate to than a title, and so I apologize for any hassle now. The same numbering scheme is going to be used in the file names as well, so folks can find and organize the downloaded episodes on their smartphones and and other devices. Thanks again, and Lord bless you. Let me know where you're listening from. There are three ways to drop a note in the mailbag. You can send an email to mailbag at victorybriefings.net or you can post a comment in the mailbag at the bottom of the show notes on the webpage like Irish Mac did. And if you're already subscribed to our email list, you can just reply to your latest Victory Briefings email. I may mention your comments in the mailbag section of the podcast. This is part seven of Conquering the Thought Life series. Renewing the Mind. I hope you'll go back and listen to all the podcasts in this series, and it'll all come together for you and become a greater revelation. And make use of those declarations and proclaim God's Word. Use God's Word like a mighty tool on the battlefield. It's a weapon that will bring peace. Amen. Now, the first part in this series of Conquering the Thought Life, we touched on what to think and what not to worry about in uh, Matthew 6.31. And then in part two, we covered strongholds of thoughts and how to battle against those arrogant obstacles to God's Word. In part three is where Paul gave us eight categories of things to think on in Philippians 4.8. Part four, we called Bless the Lord. We used David's example of how to decide what to think and say in Psalms 103. And then we learned in First uh, Peter 1.13 about girding up the loins of your mind in part five of conquering the thought life. In the sixth part, we looked at Proverbs 16.3, Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. Now we come to the final part, and we will find out how to really change the way we think in order to be powerful men and women of God. Hallelujah. 
The first two verses of Romans chapter 12 are an appeal from the Apostle Paul to bring your body to God and give it to him to use. But all the great reasons for doing so are in the first 11 chapters. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 starts out with, Therefore, (laughs) I, Dwight Hammond, have decreed and set forth a statute against reading and quoting the first two verses of Romans 2 without having read the last verses of Romans 11. They belong together. Anyone who reads or quotes the first two verses of Romans 12, cutting the two verses off from the ones in the preceding chapter, should be punished with the shame of taking the Holy Scripture out of context and not rightly dividing the Word of God. There's your new Bible study law. After the longest theological passage in the New Testament, Romans 1.16 to Romans 11.33, Paul reflects on the amazing wisdom and knowledge of God in his plan of salvation and breaks into a spontaneous doxology that we can hardly comprehend. Romans 11.33 to 12.1 in the NIV goes like this. Oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, (laughs) glory to God. Therefore, because he is like this, rich and wise and great and glorious, a God of love and mercy, and we are like this, ignorant of the future, forgetful of the past, unable to control the present. Therefore, Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And the NIV says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. I know you've read these verses many times, and uh, I would like to read the first one one more time from the Jerusalem translation. This is from the Jerusalem Bible, Romans 12.1. Think of God's mercies, my brothers, and worship him, I beg you, in a way that is worthy by offering him your living bodies. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a recipe for finding and fulfilling God's perfect will for your life. He wants our fellowship and worship, and he wants to operate in and through our bodies. That's the main way that God gets around on the earth today, is through our bodies. Romans 12, verse 1 on the King James Version says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The word beseech, he's pleading with the people by the mercies of God to do these things. This reflects the fact that God's plan for our lives are better than our plans for ourselves. And you can see that in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. Notice the word therefore. I hope you notice the word therefore. There's a law against starting with therefore. Therefore means that this is a continuation and conclusion from, at the very least, the previous statements in Romans 11:36. God is all in all and therefore deserves our total submission to him. This is our reasonable service. I believe the therefore is there because at this point in the letter to the saints in Rome is where Paul switches from doctrine to practice. In Ephesians and Colossians, he divided the teaching and the practice right in the middle of the letters. Here he waited longer with more doctrine before he enters the practical part of the epistle. The remainder of this letter gives practical applications of the renewed mind. When we consider all the mercies or benefits of God's great plan of salvation that were revealed in the first 11 chapters, it brings us to the point of an appropriate response, which Paul now lays out before us in this verse. The word present is the same word used in Luke 2, verse 22, when Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is a special offering to God. It means to place into God's care for his use, a presentation or a dedication. Living sacrifice, the living sacrifice in this verse, we have to present our bodies to the Lord as living sacrifices. This may start with a one-time commitment But then we have to follow through with that decision continuously for the rest of our lives. It's a living sacrifice. Now the word acceptable was translated from a Greek word that means fully agreeable. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now if we look at the word reasonable in this verse, Notice that it isn't asking too much. This is simply our reasonable, rational, or logical service. Jesus died for us. It makes sense that we live for him. Paul is speaking to us. It is possible to commit our lives to the Lord for the purpose of salvation and yet not be yielded to the Lord in our daily lives. When we make a total sacrifice of every area of our lives, we begin to see God's perfect will manifest through our lives. Today, many preachers use the wrath of God to drive people to God, but there's no power in that because it's not gospel. It's not gospel to tell someone, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell if you don't change your ways. Well, that's not good news. They know all that already. But they need to know about the good news, and that's what Paul does here. Paul used the mercies of God to encourage these people of Rome to give themselves totally to God. Romans 2.4 tells us the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The road is narrow, and the course may be plotted straight, 
but it takes a lot of course corrections to stay on track. Winds, distractions, and pressures are always trying to push you off course. When we departed on a journey toward the goal, uh, according to Philippians 3, 12, and 13, it is a lifestyle of making course corrections every hour, every day for the rest of our lives. We have to continually reaffirm this decision to be totally separated unto God. This is what Paul was referring to by the term living sacrifice. Is living totally consecrated to God something that only a few preachers and special leaders do? No, this is not high level or supreme doctrine for professionals. This is for you and me, every believer. This is Christianity 101. Paul said this level of commitment is your reasonable service. Jesus died for each one of us, and each one of us ought to live for him. Who could be an hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute living sacrifice? Well, thank God. Paul tells us how to do it in the very next verse. Romans 12, verse 2 in the King James says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now you may think that if we fulfill the conditions of the first verse, then everything would automatically fall into place. But no, Paul went on to say that we have to renew our minds now. Even though we've made a genuine commitment to the Lord, if we have not renewed our minds through God's word, then we needlessly suffer the same problems as the world. The word conformed here in 12.2 is translated from a Greek word that means fashion-like, to fashion-like, or to conform to the same pattern. We should be different than unbelievers. Most of us recognize this, but we seem to still be at a loss as to how to accomplish it. This verse goes on to give us the answer. The key is our minds. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us, If we think on the same things that the world thinks on, we're going to get the same results as the world gets. If we keep our minds stayed on God through the study of his word and the fellowship with him, then we'll have perfect peace, according to Isaiah 26, 3. It's that simple. Okay, that brings us up to the word transformed in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Greek word that is translated transformed here is the word metamorpho, and is where we get our word metamorphosis. It's describing the complete change, like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. This is the same word that was used to describe Jesus' transfiguration when his face shone and his garments were white as light in Matthew 17:2 and Mark chapter 9, verse 2. The word renewing in the Greek describes the adjustment of the moral and spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God, a willing response on the part of the believer. The world system is evil and under the rule of Satan. We must hate what is evil and love what is righteous and refuse to yield to various forms of worldliness that constantly surround us. 
When our thinking is in line with God's word, we become transformed according to his word. That's what it's talking about when Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. The power of God in his word will cause salvation to come, and that's what this is talking about here. We become transformed according to his word. The more we realize what God says about us, and as we act on the word, the effect will eventually become a complete transformation in our lives. When we sacrifice our thoughts for his thoughts, he can carry out his words and actions through our sacrificed bodies. When people are born again, they become total new creatures in the spirit. Their spiritual salvation is complete. They don't need any more faith. They don't need any more joy. And they don't really need any more power. It's in their spirit, complete. They are complete in him, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. However, it is not God's will for us to just be changed on the inside. He wants to manifest his salvation through our physical lives as well. That takes place through the renewing of our minds. We each have a spirit, soul, and body, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. As born-again believers, our spirits are as perfect as they'll ever be, even in heaven. If we will change our thinking so that we believe what God says in his word about who we are and what we have in him, then this agreement between our spirits and souls begins to allow us to be led in the spirit instead of the flesh. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7 again. When your thoughts are in line with your heart and you know that you are saved, healed, and delivered, then your body will become saved, healed, and delivered. Amen? If we keep looking for God on the outside at a distance, someplace way out there, then we see acts of God, <laughs> like the world sees him. Instead, we look to the inside to find God, confirmed by his word, and we begin to know him, speak his word with authority, and begin to act like him. That is God manifesting in the world through our sacrificed bodies, ministering to others. If we fail to renew our minds, we can live our entire life here on this planet without experiencing the abundant life that Jesus provided for us in John chapter 10, verse 10. That brings us to the word prove here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The word prove means to establish the truth or validity by argument or evidence. Therefore, this is speaking of how to continually physically display God's will in our lives. This is a promise that if we fulfill the requirements of these two verses, we'll prove, not might prove, but we will prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Finding God's will for our lives is not difficult when we obey the command of these two verses. It's impossible to miss God's will once we commit ourselves to God as a living sacrifice and begin to renew our minds. Finding God's will for our lives is hard when we refuse to commit to God. Now, the good and acceptable and perfect 
There are a couple of opinions with scholars as to whether Paul was using good and acceptable and perfect as characteristics of God's will, or if he was saying there are different stages in walking in the will of God, good, then acceptable, and then eventually perfect. I suppose either one of these cases could be correct doctrine. However, I personally like to translate the word teleos here as completed or finished will of God rather than good, better, best, variable will of God. God's will certainly is good and acceptable and perfect. It is also true that people don't move immediately into everything that God has for them, but there's always a growth into the things of God. Romans 12.2 is a wonderful promise that we can prove God's will in our lives. The first step is to make a total commitment of our lives, a living sacrifice that it talks about in Romans 12.1. God's will for us is to be living sacrifices to him. Once that is accomplished, more specific direction can come later as we renew our minds. It's a growing process. Renewing of the mind is not an instant thing like the birth of the Spirit. God doesn't just want our worship. He wants us. And once he gets us, he'll have our worship and service. Amen? I think a good proclamation or a good short declaration for this teaching would be, I will no longer be squeezed into the world's unstable fashion, but I will continually allow my mind to be completely transformed and changed from within by the power of God's word, so that I may prove in practice that his plan is good for me, it pleases him, and it's perfected in me. In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope you're subscribed and will share this message with your friends. Until next time, God bless you, my friend. This program and other materials are available at victorybriefings.net. Mm-hmm.